Our text for today is Matthew 18, verses 1 through 6. Let's read that again. The word of the Lord. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. So far, the reading of God's word. Beloved in the Lord, what we see here in Matthew 18 is that the exemplary member of Jesus' kingdom is a little child, a small child. Who would have imagined this to be so? When we think think of the greatest members of the kingdom, the greatest members of the church, we think of the giants of preaching like Spurgeon, like George Whitfield. We think the giants of the mind like John Calvin and Charles Hodge. We think of those people who advocated for social change like William Wilberforce who pushed for freedom for the slaves. But for these men who loom large in the minds of Christians as men who defended Jesus and by serving Him proclaimed His righteousness to the world, these men too had to be like little children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. At their heart, they had to be little children knowing that they didn't have everything right, knowing that they had lived imperfectly and ultimately trusting in their Heavenly Father. They may have even lacked in this childlike humility. We don't know the heart. The social order of heaven will be very different from the one we have on this earth. We look at them, and we want to imitate them, but doing so will never gain us the kingdom of heaven unless we first imitate their childlike faith and humility. In doing so, we ultimately look to Jesus and his childlike humility. He was humble and obedient to his Father, even to death on a cross. So we begin by looking to him in faith. I bring you the word of the Lord under the theme, humble yourselves as a little child. We're going to see, first of all, a call to to childlike humility, and second, a call to receive childlike humility. The the pericope, or the, uh, the section, begins by the disciples seeing Jesus sitting apart from them. They've been discussing the question, 
Who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What makes a person great before God? They had any number of examples from the Old Testament to think about. There was Moses who led Israel out of Egypt. There was Joshua who had conquered the land of Israel. There was David, the warrior king. There was Solomon, the wise. What would make them the greatest? Should they study the deep things of God? Should they resolutely and boldly defend the kingdom of God? What was going to be the nature of this new kingdom? Part of the problem here is in the question. The question assumes that there's going to be a spirit of rivalry and competition within God's kingdom that reflects what we see in the kingdoms of the world. It assumes that there's an elite group, a special group that will have a certain amount of understanding or a certain number of great deeds that will earn them a special place in that kingdom. And this would mean that there would be a place for rivalry in the kingdom of God. A rivalry that could feed off the greed and envy that's inside man. This kind of competition in the kingdom of God would not be able to work against the sin that's so deep in man. Instead, it would encourage it. And the disciples, they're, they're laying this groundwork for wicked rivalry between themselves. And it's that same rivalry that James warns against in James 4 verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires for pleasure that war in your members? Those desires must be humbled. That same pride must be humbled in in us. Jesus doesn't immediately get angry with the ignorance of his disciples. Instead, he gives them an object lesson or a living parable. He calls to himself a little child. And he takes this child and he sets it right in the middle of the disciples. This is not necessarily unusual for Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus is the one who spends time with the weak and the know-nothings. He's teaching his disciples that this is the attitude that God loves. These are the type of people that God holds dear in his heart. Now he calls this little child to himself and says, Assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, you're all equal in the kingdom of God. Stop trying to become greater than one another. That could easily be understood as coming from greed and envy as well. You could imagine somebody saying this and subconsciously inside he's thinking, I'm not able to be great, so I'm going to make everybody equal to me. That's what Nietzsche charges Christians with. He argues that Christians want equality because they're envious of those who are naturally great. But this isn't Jesus' point. Jesus' Jesus' point is not 
you're all equal. Instead, Jesus is giving a different standard for greatness. This is a standard that divides those who will enter the kingdom of heaven and those who will not. And that standard is you have to become like a little child. You need to make yourself like the person that the world considers to be the least important. You need to have that trust of a little child. Little children, they trust their fathers and mothers to take care of them. When they have cares and worries, they're willing to listen to their parents. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples how they are to imitate little children. And he pulls out the aspect that he particularly wants us to emulate in little children. That aspect is humility. Basically, humility means to consider yourself and your own interests to be less important than those of others. Your own interests are less important than those of others. He says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Children are vulnerable. They're formed by the teaching and the deeds of their parents or their caregivers. They learn good patterns and evil patterns from parents. Little children are born into a humble position. We know that every person has pride and sin in their hearts, and that includes little children. But at the same time, children are in a naturally humble position. They're called to obey their parents. They don't have another choice. They don't have the knowledge or the ability to feed themselves or to take care of themselves. They need to listen in order to grow and mature into responsible adults. We who are mature are now called to choose that same humble position before God. We trust on Him for growth. When humility becomes the attitude that we seek to cultivate in ourselves, there need no longer be the type of rivalry that characterizes the world. How can somebody keep on trying to beat another person if his rival continually admits that the other is better than he is and treats the other person as better than he is as well? There's no rivalry anymore. The attitude then that marks the kingdom, it isn't evangelistic zeal. It isn't doctrinal knowledge. It isn't powerful preaching. These are all good things, but they're only useful to the person who has these things if that person also has childlike humility. A reliance on the Word of God and His Holy Spirit in everything. We're called to that childlike response to our Heavenly Father in everything. And it's Christ himself who sets the pattern for this childlike humility. We all know Philippians 2. He humbled himself and was obedient even to death on the cross. Christ is the truly obedient son. 
Adam failed where Christ was faithful. We failed where Christ was faithful. And Christ's death and resurrection give us an opportunity to share in his righteousness. As Paul says, let that mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And that mind that he's talking about, it's the mind of humility. And Christ offers that mind by faith in himself. He provides the spirit that teaches us, matures us in that mind of Christ who enables us to live in that humility. Humility is marked by sacrificing oneself for another. When we think of ourselves as truly less than others, we will pay, we will pay attention to others' needs. And this is exemplified in those well-known patterns that Paul lays out in Ephesians 4-6. to Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, sacrifice yourselves. Don't lord it over your wives. You're called to the attitude, the humility of children. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. Show justice and mercy, just like your heavenly Father. Make yourself smaller than they are. These commands are all based on the work of Christ. We have the power to do them through the cross of Christ, through Jesus, who took the form of a slave, the least of everyone for our sake. This childlike humility toward God can be summed up in the words, trust and obey. There is in humility the attitude of faith. We trust our Heavenly Father to take care of all our needs. We trust that the sacrifice of Christ belongs to us, that it was a perfect sacrifice. We believe that the Word of God that we have received is is true and pure. We don't claim to know better than the Word of God. We're careful to follow every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is not the attitude of the Pharisees. That's proved in the next chapter of Matthew. They've added burdens to the people, which are not laid out in the law. They think they know better than what the Scriptures teach, even though at the same time, they're known as the ones who will uphold Scripture. This also includes the ability to continue to learn from the Word of God itself. The Pharisees, again, aren't able to do that. They weren't able to see Jesus in the Scriptures. They weren't able to see that He was the fulfillment of the law. Instead, they loved themselves and they exalted themselves for obeying that law. They forgot the heart of the law. Love God, love your neighbor. And this was a love that had to consider the other better than oneself. They forgot that. Therefore, come to God with a humble spirit. Come as a little child 
That means you don't worry about the faithfulness of your Father in heaven. He will be faithful. You have full confidence in that Father. That means you don't puff up yourself in front of others, but in all things you seek the wisdom of God first of all. God gives you the grace to be able to do this through his word and spirit. Following his call to childlike humility, Jesus calls on his disciples to receive childlike humility as well. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Our Lord gives the disciples instruction now in giving judgment in their churches. He's training them to be leaders of the new community which he's creating out of the cross. And so they are to discern between good and evil in their churches. They are to reflect both the justice and mercy of Jesus, the good shepherd. The disciples, and by extension the church, are to receive those who are childlike. That means, first of all, that we receive children as members of the kingdom of heaven. That means we receive those who have childish traits as members of the kingdom of heaven. We receive them because their simplicity, their simple faith, is to us a prime example. The example that Jesus chooses of the humility we are called to. We can think, for example, of the Phoenician woman who pleads with Jesus to heal her child, comparing herself to a dog who takes the scraps from under the table. All she knows is that Jesus can help her, that Jesus can rescue her. That simple faith and, and that simple obedience, that simple understanding allows her to receive all the benefits that are in Christ. This is Christ's wisdom to all those who have a position of leadership within his church. Christ wants all his sheep to be, take, to be taken care of with special attention to children and those who are childlike, the weakest members of the kingdom of God. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 22, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. Necessary for the church of Christ. This is emphasized in Jesus' story of the lost sheep, which we read. Not only are the weakest members to be received, but they should not be left to perish when they stray. He encourages in the leaders of his community a desire to be merciful especially to those who are not full of pride. Ultimately, Jesus is again the example. Jesus is not only obedient son. He not only humbles himself for the sake of those who are not worthy of the same glory that he has, but he is the merciful pastor, the merciful shepherd, he tells us in John 10 that he is the good shepherd that goes after the sheep when they stray from the pasture. 
He is full of long-suffering mercy. Those who are given responsibility, pastors, elders, deacons, fathers, mothers, teachers, they're called to that same care for the little ones. They're called to care for the children. They're to seek after the lost, and so they reflect Jesus. Those who are little ones, children, your calling remains simple at this time. Trust in Jesus and listen to his words to you. You're called to grow in that wisdom through the parents and the leaders that God has given you. Here, of course, Jesus is primarily speaking to the future leaders of his church. They are to cultivate his love and his mercy. They are specifically chosen to bear the responsibility of receiving children. Although this is given to the disciples, it's wisdom for all of us. We all grow in our responsibility. On the flip side, our rejection of little ones as congregants, as members, wounds the church, wounds the body that Christ is gathering. There remains another question. We are to have this attitude. What are we to do with those who abuse their position of leadership? What about those who abuse us in this way? We might be humble, but, we w- but won't that give the world an opportunity to run roughshod over us? What about justice? What about the punishment of the wicked? Jesus, in no uncertain terms, describes the fate that they receive. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the sea. We see here very clearly that God's love is never opposed to his justice. God's love for those who are humble before him is revealed in a jealous wrath on all those who hate him and his children. Just as we're called to reflect God in receiving little children, so we're called to reflect God in that jealousy for his flock. Those who cause his children to sin are better off drowned in the sea and crushed under a stone than to receive the judgment that waits for them on that final day. We could imagine that the disciples are caught off guard by this statement. Their original question suggests they were expecting a different standard in the kingdom of heaven. Now, they hear that the kingdom of heaven is about the weakest and not the strongest. The weakest are the most important. Not only is it not about those who are strong, but those who hurt the weak are threatened with a heavy judgment by God. The word used for cause to sin here is scandalizo. It's the same word that Paul uses for stumbling block in 1 Corinthians. The idea here is that somehow the leader teaches something that is sinful or in his actions provides a stumbling block for the little ones. 
We can go back to Matthew 5 where Jesus says, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches other men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. This is followed by what you might call the theme of Matthew. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Ultimately, you have to humble yourself as a little child to receive that righteousness. The pride that's in us that exalts ourselves above God's word needs to become a humble faith and obedience toward every breath, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, this is particularly for the leaders of the new community. They are the ones who are given responsibility within the congregation They are the ones who will be held responsible from those they have caused to stumble. Later, Jesus reveals who in particular he has in mind in this passage. In Matthew 23, he calls down woes on the Pharisees for the hypocrisy, for the burdens they put on his little ones. He calls down judgment on them. He reveals himself not only as faithful shepherd, but as fearsome judge. His work as shepherd is double-edged. He brings in the children. He casts out those who exalt themselves against his Father's word. He will bring our enemies to justice. He cares for his church and those who attack her both wolves from without and wolves in sheep's clothing from within, will be brought to justice. His promise here is certain. This is a fearful word. We all have that pride in us. We can can see it. We all have sins that provide stumbling blocks to others. What do we do? We end where we began. We become as little children. We come in humility before our Lord, confessing our sins. He forgives. In turn, we forgive others, and so we show his mercy and his love. At the same time, we are called to demonstrate his justice. We are called to protect his church from those who provide stumbling blocks. That's why Jesus follows the parable of the lost sheep with what we know as the Matthew 18 principle. Those who refuse to repent are stumbling blocks to the little ones, to the children of the church. They need to be removed in order to protect the sheep. We can think of Jesus' command to, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's not only individual, but it's also corporate. It belongs to the body. If there's a hand in the body of Christ that is causing the people of God to sin, cut it off. These have proved that they do not have the humility of a child. They're exalting themselves against God by teaching something opposite, whether through word or through deed. They do not repent before the rebuke of a long-suffering Lord. 
We see then the character of the citizens of the kingdom of God. You're called to humble yourself as little children. You're called to be free of the anxieties and cares of this world and instead place your trust in your gracious and long-suffering Father. You're also called to receive them, receive their simple humility as something that is to be emulated. The weakest are the greatest in the kingdom of God. Seek them out and protect them. That's why God has given you elders and deacons so that you may find the lost and protect these weak ones from the offense of wolves in sheep's clothing. Ultimately, it's Christ who's both obedient son and faithful shepherd. Seek his face. Turn to him so that you too may become as little children. We work in humility, knowing we are weak in our understanding, weak in our ability. He, Christ, gives us strength for this task. He gives us wisdom for this task. On that final day, he will right every wrong and he will give true justice. It's always messy on this side, but he will give true justice. We live in the hope of that day. So humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen. All glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.